Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. We got a hot mic. We got some li- got a hot mic here. A live feed here. Live feed. Um, hi, Kathleen. Hey, Philip. How's it going? It's good. Um, it's nice to see you in the flesh. I know. This is so great. Yeah. This is our hal- holiday episode. Christmas is upon us. So, so this is Paris. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so Kathleen came up to Seattle and visited me. How Hello. wonderful is that? Um which is great. Love seeing her in person. Yay. <laughs> Gang's back together. Yay. <laughs> um well uh with that uh welcome to Old Hollywood Realness. Welcome guys. This is the podcast that celebrates the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. That's right. And uh. today we're celebrating Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Um, I'm Philip Estrada. I'm Kathleen Nall. Um, and that's right. We are talking about Christmas. We're talking about Meet Me in St. Louis. Yay! Would you say this is our Christmas special? I think this is a Christmas special Yay. because it stars one Miss Judy Garland. And what doesn't say Christmas more than Judy Garland? Yeah. And I feel like this is like, I mean, not that all of the movies we don't do are heavy hitters in some ways, but this is like a really heavy hitter. I mean, this is this is big time, like, you know, Meet Me in St. Louis and all. So, yeah, I feel like even just in researching this, it was such a groundbreaking movie and so many firsts and um, and, and just. Yeah, agreed. It's, I mean, yeah, this, it was fun to research. It was yeah. so much fun. This one was like this one is this and one goes down. Yeah. yeah, this one. I mean, <laughs> I could watch this movie. Year after year after year. Yes. This is one of my favorites for uh, for Christmas. For I mean, this is funny because um, it is kind of been pigeonholed into the Christmas time mm-hmm. period, but it really only has like maybe 20 minutes of Christmas stuff in it. The rest of it's a lot of like summer and winter, fall and like actually spring stuff, which mm-hmm. is like not necessarily Christmas. And there isn't actually like a full Christmas scene with like a Christmas tree and opening presents or those yeah. sort of things. The, it's more like the four seasons yeah, really that the, they're going on. The theme of the movie actually isn't Christmas, but that's the one that really people yeah. resonate with. So yeah. yeah, I like that a lot, but you know, and it also has the iconic have yourself a merry little Christmas number. Which exactly. Not many people know this is the impetus of that song. So yes. it's like the number. This is the movie that it was written for. It was written specifically for Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. She performed the fuck out of it. And she actually rewrote part of the song yeah, so that's that right. because um, there was a part of the song that she felt was a bit too dark to be singing to her little sister, her five year old sister. <laughs> so she actually had a hand in rewriting it yep. so that it would feel a bit more palpable and um is what we know today yeah it was a little bit more doom and gloom when it was mm-hmm. the first draft <laughs> yeah what was it like uh something like live it like your last or something yeah, something like <laughs> maybe your last <laughs> yeah maybe your last like, have your, like i can't yeah. sing that to my sister something about like swinging from the rafters <laughs> yeah. wait you know, that's a sia taking, song you're taking talking about a, chandelier that's no okay. something it was like 
Sorry, sorry, little Christmas swinging from the rafters, cyanide pill, something. Anyway, I don't know what they were, but something to that effect. <laughs> so she's like, maybe tone that maybe. down and go a little bit more. Yeah, maybe a little less deafy. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that you're super goth, but this She's is 1944. Like, hey, this song got dark, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. So quick. So this movie is MGM's big brash musical. Mm-hmm. Like it's all Technicolor, all its glory. Um, Judy Garland plays Esther Smith. Margaret O'Brien plays Tootie Smith, the youngest sister of the Smith family. Mary Astor plays Anna Smith, the mother. Leon Ames plays Alonzo Smith, the father. Uh, Lucille Bremer plays Rose Smith, the oldest sister. Uh, Tom Drake plays John Truitt, um, Esther Smith's Judy Garland's beau. Um, Marjorie Maine plays Katie the maid, who was... We love her. I mean, back from her star turn and the yeah. women. Fresh um, off the women, we yeah. get Marjorie Maine. A few, few years later, and it's, yeah. she's just still delivering. And then Harry Davenport plays the grandpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director of this movie is Vincent Minnelli. Um, this is actually where Judy and Vincent actually... F- fell in love Mm -hmm. if you could hear those air quotes and um they ended up getting married right at the end of it um and then the costumes designs were by um irene sharoff yes who i mean knocked it out of the park with this one amazing she's she's an amazing broad um so this movie is um this film was a box office smash grossing more money than any prior mgm release in 20 years with exception of days vito selznick's gone with the wind in 1939 according to imdb um I had read that Judy Garland wasn't really into the idea of portraying yet another teenager Mm because she was 21 at the time. And she's like, I'm a grown woman. (laughs) Um, And she didn't really want to do the movie. And her mother even went to MGM uh, directly to Louis B. Mayer on her behalf to try and get her out of doing it. And then Vincent Minnelli eventually convinced her to play the part of Esther Smith. Mm -hmm. And Judy fell in love with the story. um, And years later, she would consider it one of her favorite roles. Yep, that's right. I would also like to add to that when I I watched the... Uh, introduction um, by Liza Minnelli on the 2004 DVD for Meet Me in St. Louis, which is on YouTube. Highly recommend. Yep. Um, Liza, uh, she says it, it um, it's her favorite Christmas movie and her favorite movie of her mother's. Um, it is the first musical where the music was actually part of the reality, so they're right. just singing as it's part of life. Yeah, there's a um, lot of there's a couple scenes where they literally are sitting at a piano singing, yeah. which is which is nice to see that it's, it's not just like yeah. springing. There are the moments where they just spring into song, but yeah. it's nice that it's yeah. in that too. And um, and then she also mentioned how at first she didn't want to uh, do the movie; um, she wanted to grow up. And at first she was delivering the lines with sort of a wink and not really seriously, but Minnelli actually took her aside and was like, you have to believe this. It's vital. Everything that you do, it's got to be like the most important thing in your life. You have to care passionately or the audience won't. And so, um, and then she, she thought about this a lot and she listened and that's actually one of the reasons why she fell in love with him because he really, he really took her aside and tried and worked with her. And I think it's just, well, we can, let's not go on a tangent about how sad her life was, yeah, but I think that, you I know, mean, he showed her real care and affection, and I think, you know, how, how can you not? Yeah, <laughs> and I was reading, that? too, that, like, up until this point, she had, um, she was most famous for, um, well, of course, Sir, uh, 39 would have been the year of Wizard of Oz, which mm-hmm. she was most famous for. She was kind of an asexual character in that. Right. And then also in all of the Andy Hardy movie series, she was always the the best friend but mm-hmm. never never the girl that got the guy in the end so right. she was always kind of relegated to that um that role of 
you know, just being the, f- and I think she kind of took it to heart too, where she's like, I'm not the pretty girl. I'm yeah. not the, I'm not the Deanna Durbin or well, the, I'm not the, you I know, mean, Lana I think Louis Turner B. Mary even gave her the, the nickname of like my little hunchback. Yes. And, and, um, I was even reading more, you know, like they, they made her wear fake teeth mm-hmm. when she did all those Andy and they even put, um, she had to wear these little rubber discs inside of her nose huh. in order to change the shape of her nose. Oh wow. And that was one of the things that maybe we'll talk about this later. Like one of the great things about this movie was her, her introduction to um, uh, Dorothy uh, Dottie Pondell, who um, is it's amazing makeup artist. She wow. was like makeup artist to all the amazing ladies in the in the 30s, and um, she was um, she was the first female given a real star to work with when she worked with um, Judy Garland on this movie back then. Huh. It was never women were in makeup, but they were never the main. They were always assistants, oh, okay. including her. Um, and so they it was actually. Um, she had been brought on board um, with um, uh, Jack Don, who was the makeup guy for MGM. He brought her on, and she was originally from Paramount, but that's when she made the switch over to MGM. And they were like, "See what she could do with this girl," you know. And just <laughs> and it was actually Minnelli who who gave like was like gave Judy to her. Oh wow! And so that look that she has in this movie, which let's face it. She is beautiful. This is yeah. She looks like a living doll, and totally. um, that was the that was the beginning of their relationship. And she was the one who actually was like, "What are these? What's this junk you're putting in your nose? Take this out. You're beautiful. You don't need this." Oh, nice. And like, really was like, "You're beautiful the way you are," and she gave her that look wow. that she can, and she continued to do her makeup well into when she performed and went to London, like through the fifties. Wow. And she actually. Well, I, I guess I'm telling my story now. But Hell she yeah. ended up, um, uh, Dora, uh, Dottie ended up contracting um, or was diagnosed with MS in the early 50s. Oh. So she retired. She didn't die till 1981, but all through those years before, like, she was still really good friends with Judy Garland until she died. She was friends with Mae West, oh, Marlene wow. Dietrich, who, Jesus. by the way, these women almost walked out of their movies because they would not admit. Dottie into the makeup union because she was a woman. Oh my god! And there are these amazing uh, YouTube videos of her niece actually reading her letters, like the, uh, letters that were they petitioned the makeup union to get her in. She was amazing. Wow! And she came out from Chicago in the twenties, just like so many other people. She was an extra in movies, and like a lot of other people, she actually was trying to escape the bad weather because of her health. Oh! Came out, became an extra. Um, I guess in some way, just kind of as so many other people did at that time, some people became wardrobe people, makeup people, you know, and she became a makeup person and um, started doing uh, Joan Blondell exclusively, oh, wow. Mae West, uh, Barbara Stanwyck, all of our ladies that we've already podcasted. She was their makeup girl. That's so cool. And then she became Dorothy, or, sorry, Dorothy. She became Judy's makeup girl. Oh, right. And there's these wonderful pictures of them together, like celebrating her birthday. Aww. And like they just became friends. That's yeah. Such a wonderful story. I know. I know. Aww. It's just, and it's really amazing too. I think this never underestimate the power of like a makeup artist and a star. Oh, yeah. I always think of like Marilyn Monroe and like Alan, um, uh, oh gosh, what was his name? A uh, Whitey Snyder, her oh. makeup artist. He was literally from screen test to funeral. Her oh, makeup wow. artist. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. So it's like I know like things people could make a movie about in Hollywood. <laughs> just the makeup people alone. So anyway, That's but yeah. Rad. So this movie, I just yeah this that was this movie so great because she's mesmerizing in this movie. Nice. Her, not just her costumes but her face oh my god she's this is this is like literally (laughs) the the lips i mean she's she's looked like one of the best best. ones like there's iconic there's a clearly iconic movies that she's done like Mm -hmm. i mean you always think of judy garland you think of dorothy gale and all of that but like she really looked like a movie star she did really gorgeous in this movie especially as the movie progresses like Mm -hmm. there's um there was that article you sent me too where it's sort of talking about the trajectory of the costumes and how the movie the costumes start out kind of young and youthful and then as 
as they get further on, they become more serious and mm-hmm. more, you know, more of a w- becoming more womanly and stuff, yeah. which I think is so cool. Like the fact that she, they kind of showed her transition, but even from the start, like she looked very gorgeous. Like she, a, did. she just looked very beautiful. Yeah. A little bit more girl, younger in yeah. the first costume, but otherwise yeah. she looked really good. They were really good at showing like, it, you know, like, you know, this was like 1903, like teenagers right. at that time. It's like women, you know, these were girls who were 17. In a lot of ways, they did dress like women, but mm-hmm. the difference being that yeah. their skirts were like ankle length, right. you know, or there were, they'd still have pigtails, but like everything else, but they're wearing a corset, you know, so they've got like this kind of Gibson right. girl, but still this very like girl girly i yeah. guess kind of look the young is so cute it's actually so really cute. nice to see in this movie there's a lot of very good um references of like early 19 like the aughts like 19 like the aught 19s mm-hmm. you know um uh where there's like shows children's wear which oh, was very like so cute which is interesting because a lot of it is like sort of like shapeless drop waist mm-hmm. sort of thing which is almost like what happened in the 20s too yeah. which is kind of interesting but it's really cute to see that like, it is really interesting. especially on the um on Tootie's character and then the one that's actually older than her i think her name was agnes the sister yeah, yeah. yeah so there's some really good clothes like looks for the girls for the yeah. young girls too and then that and then you see the teenagers which is more womanly the waists are higher mm-hmm. more fitted they may not be wearing full corsets but they're probably wearing you know and trainers and shapers shapers yeah. and they yeah. got the shorter with a little bit of a bloomer or a sock or a stocking or yeah. something so because they're probably you know they're considered not as sexualized as like an older woman yeah you know so it's not as scandalous for them which is funny because it's like skirt. the older you get the longer your skirts get you I know guess. <laughs> <laughs> but there were you're right like the looks in this movie were so great um not just on like the main characters but these group shots of people oh, were just God. it's like there was no expense spared on the extras too yeah. looking just as amazing they did an so. amazing job on that um yeah. The interesting thing, so I had also read that um, because, like, we were talking about the period, so Vincent Minnelli worked hard to, on the, to make the movie as accurate to the time as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did the novelist Sally Benson, um, this also included Sally Benson giving explicit direction um, to as to the decor of the home and to the least detail, but the movie's costume designer took inspiration of many of the movie's costumes right out of the Sears Roebuck, Montgomery Ward, and Marshall Field's catalog of the time period. So she's, yeah, um, so our girl Irene Sharoff actually went back to the source material to like really pull yeah. looks and stuff. So it's nice to see that she did that that yeah. research, uh, that historical research. Granted, I'm sure she didn't. It's not going to be. You well, know, it's not going to yeah. pass the pass the scrutiny of today's. You know. Today's costumers. Today's costuming. Nazis. <laughs> I <laughs> said it. I mean, yeah. There's I, like I know people that. who really go after that. I yeah. understand that it's like very important to them, which, you know, well, I get it. But it's yeah, like agreed. this but was made in 1944. Then, yeah, exactly. Like I, we always go back to like Marie Antoinette. Like, yep. I mean, the it was not normal for people to go out of their way to make things historically accurate. Right. That was more of a nice to have. Whereas now we're just like, Oh, if you're not going to do it, why bother? Right, you know? So right. it's just a different way of there's more of the idealizing of everything. Um, I still think they did a really great job. And, um, you know, I've, I was reading about Agreed. Minnelli and his attention to detail. Like he, he would go through the, um, like stock closets and prop closets to make sure that they were uh, like each room, like the room of the grandfather. He, he was the one who made sure that like all those like tchotchkes and hats were on the wall. And like, he really wanted to make it look like each room was like the personality of the yeah. character, not just like, here's a Victorian house. Yes, we all live here, you know? And, and I, I think too, what was interesting. I remember um, in the Eliza Minnelli, when she was telling the story, like even Minnelli sort of pitching the story, I think to Louis B. Mayer, like he couldn't understand. He's like, well, what's the movie about? He's like, it's about a family. 
He's like, yeah, well, so yeah. if it's about a family, like, what do they do? What do they get rich? Do they do this? He's like, no, they just, they live. Yeah. It's just them this living. This is definitely a And he just slice couldn't understand, like, why yeah. that would be good, you know? But it was amazing. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, I think that was also a sort of a step, if you think about it, a step away from MGM, just telling a story about something normal and, like, celebrating being normal, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's interesting. This really <laughs> is, this really is, like, a slice of life movie yeah. where it kind of just shows a family's trajectory, like, a year in the life of a family. Yeah, like, nobody really. becomes a hero. Right. Nobody, like, win, gets rich. Nobody gets famous. It's nobody, just yeah, a slice of life. Exactly. Yeah. No one gets, nobody, like, there's no, there's not a huge overcoming, like, the literally overcoming, the big, you know, uh, initiating or the uh the what is it called i forget that term for it well like their challenge yeah the challenge that they have to overcome is just the fact that the dad is getting a job in new york yeah and they're gonna have to move from this place that they really love like you know (laughs) i don't know what that's like to actually were born and raised in a place you love that's (laughs) the word i was looking for inciting incident (laughs) oh dear yeah i didn't go to school for uh for screenwriting so i'm i uh, yeah um yeah, you're right. So they're you're it's like just they love the place and they just didn't want to leave, you know. Yeah. It's just that that tough decision sort of thing and yep. living with that. Yeah. So I like that. That's it was great that to see that. And you don't get to see that a lot in these older movies. No. It's sort of just like day in the life of. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, so yeah, this movie actually was um, also nominated for four Academy Awards: Best Writing, Screenplay, Cinematography, um, in color for the color film, Best Music, Scoring of a Motion Picture, and Best Music Song for the Trolley Song. Um, and Margaret O'Brien actually received a an um, an, automer- an honorary juvenile award for that year, um, and uh, she did appear in several movies. Um, Oh, she because she worked a lot that year, actually. Mm-hmm. That's why they gave it to her. Sorry. So Margaret River Ryan received an um, Academy Juvenile Award for all of her work that she did a year because she did several movies along with Mimi in St. Louis in 1944. Oh. She was a working girl. She <laughs> sure was. Yes. Yeah. And actually, I have a, a really cool quote. Uh, Margaret O'Brien, um, I found an interview where she was talking about spelling Mimi in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I believe it was, uh, I think it was like a TCM Film Fest from a few years ago. And she said that um, Judy Garland was so lovely to work with, and she was the sweetest person in the world. I'm going to try to read this without crying, Philip, because I've already read through it a few times and I tear up. So (laughs) Judy Garland was so lovely to work with, and she was the sweetest person in the world. You see, I was an only child, so Judy, to me, was like a big sister, and the big sister I would have loved to have had. She was so happy making that film because Vincent Minnelli was wonderful to her. And of course, she fell in love with Vincent Minnelli on that film. And as Liza said to me, there never would have been a Liza if it wasn't for Meet Me in St. Louis. Aw. Yeah. That's so sweet. I know. I just, yeah. <laughs> like, he really did treat her. He, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like Vincent Minnelli for all the for all the shit that they went through together. I mean, yes. it's like, they, yes, it was a lavender marriage. Yes, he was you know bisexual or gay <laughs> or in the closet. You know, he yeah. was, he, he clearly was not like in love with her in the way like he was he was in love with her like he loved and had an affection for her mm-hmm. and you see it on screen he loved women like you he could tell women. he really loved women i mean we did i mean look at gigi gigi i mean sake. get out of here and, and uh, i uh. recently saw again an interview with leslie crone she said that was her when she's looking back best movie shit like the one she felt the most beautiful right because he it's knows her favorite he does the thing that like you know it's like it's magic it's he makes he knows how to celebrate a woman and make yep. a woman look beautiful and feel beautiful like he this movie a Gigi on a clear day you can see forever oh. it's all about celebrating that central female character and like lifting her up to be that like goddess of a woman it in is a way. yeah um 
and then uh, and then and that's it makes sense that Judy yeah. fell in love with him and like granted he probably couldn't have given ret- returned the favor. No, but, well, you know. I mean he tried and we got Liza. Yeah, that. that's and true. That, that is great, but and actually it's funny. I again, I was so great researching this. I was able to find. Um, and it was done in these very little clip parts, but it was a, an interview with Vincent Amelli talking about Liza. And even when he spoke about her, it was not no malice. I mean, he was truly like in awe, still in awe of her. Like he was talking, this must have been probably from the 70s maybe oh. or the 80s. Talking about Liza or Judy? Talking about, I'm sorry, uh, talking about Judy. Oh, okay. And he's talking about working with her. But just, I mean, he was talking about her in this way that was just, like I said, no malice and, and just sort of. Re- reminiscing about working with her and how he was just blown away. He was yeah. so blown away by her talent. How could you not? And I mean, and I think where, where there was a huge difference between them is like he was very much into like you know rehearsing and working it out and yeah. sort of feeling it and she was she was a machine. She right. was made to be a machine from day one. So she's like one take wonder. I'm one and done and gone. I don't know why we're spending time on this. Yeah. And so that was I'm. it seems like he was able to sort of get her to understand how to work a little differently and that like it's okay trust me you're gonna love what you see and she did and it was just yeah it's just great yeah really shows in this movie i mean and the fact that some girl who was five years old has nothing but like amazing memories of working with her you know she must have been amazing yeah so yeah well um did you have anything any other tidbits of information in this Uh, film before we get into the story um i'm trying to think i think that was I think that was it for now. Yeah, just cool. just that. And oh yeah, and then she sang the trolley song in one take. I, I guess they did that. I mean, well, we we, <laughs> we probably my saw that. I could do this all day. So good. Um, and actually, too, this is the movie after they film, finished filming the movie. Uh, Vincent and Judy went on um, a respite in, in New York City, and that's where they ended up seeing the stage play yes. of the pirate, yeah. which ended up giving them the pirate. That then they eventually went into making the pirate, which yep. we already talked about. And that's when he told the story of how she threw her pills in the East River. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah, that's when she went clean on that trip, and huh. she was doing fine. And that's when he said, and then as soon as she had to go back and start working again. Yeah. It was like, what, what do we got to do to make this work? You know? Her biography is such a bummer, but it was like so fascinating. Yeah. No. Anyway. Yeah. Um, do we think, do we think Vincent Minnelli loved her? Hell yes. yes. Hell yes. Like, yeah. but it's, again, just, it's so crazy complicated, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, well, I can talk. That's not about the way. Like we could. There's so many tangents. There's so much. There's, there's so much going on. So Judy alone. On. Like you could. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, this has really been our first time to really gab about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the story of this movie. Yes. So Meet Me in St. Louis begins by in- introducing the entire Smith family. Um. Alonzo, the father, played by Leo Leon Adams, and Anna, his wife, Mary Astor, have four daughters: Rose, Lucille Bremer, um, Esther, played by Judy Garland, Agnes, played by Joan Carroll. And the scrappiest of the um, of the youngest sisters, Tootie, is played by Margaret O'Brien. They also have a son, um, Lon Jr., played by Henry H. Daniels Jr. But he's kind of not really that important to the story. <laughs> um, God bless his heart. Uh, so the film tells the story of the family um, and their lives in 1904, 1903-1904, um, in this um, in the months leading up to the St. Louis World's Fair. Everyone is excited about the fair, along with. Um, the um and along with all the goings on in their lives uh so esther is falling in love with the boy next door named john truett played by tom drake and she conspires with her sister rose um 
who is also chasing a couple of bows, um, but she has her sights set on Warren Sheffield. So these two girls are boy crazy. Yep. Um, and, you know, why not? I mean, they're both gorgeous. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Esther gets her chance to enact her plan at um, Lon's going away party. So she... Um, and because so, Lon's going off to college, so they have a party for him, and Esther gets to meet, um, gets to finally properly meet John Druitt, um, <laughs> and she performs a couple songs with the spunky with the spunky tootie, and at the end of the night, she keeps John behind to help her turn off the lights. Hey um, uh, The ploy en- ends up in a firm handshake, um, but you can tell that John is smitten. <laughs> um, and then the next day, Esther takes a trolley ride over to the fairgrounds and she gets to sit next to her prospective beau on the way, which is an adorable scene. And we'll talk about the trolley song. So fast forward to autumn and it's Halloween and Tootie and Agnes join the other neighborhood kids in some sort of Lord of the Flies ritual. Um, <laughs> Scariest Halloween ever. Very <laughs> scary. It's like... They were I, ride or die back in the Edwardian <laughs> era when they are fucking yes. Halloween. It's like 1903 and Halloween. They're not fucking around. I love how like their costumes were, we're dressing as boys. <laughs> and then the... And then the, and then the boys and the... Dre- like girls. And we're dressing like girls, but with no wigs, and they just literally had like big old butts. Let's and, like, face it, it this was is, this is Minnelli's movie. It was, he's, uh, going, he's doing something. I I'm not gonna lie, I loved it. I was just I like, I don't too. know what's happening, but and they were just burning shit and burning a giant shit, pot. and like, oh my god. And then it was, it's a very interesting type capsule to look at to be like, oh okay, but I guess that's one way of doing Halloween. Um, they didn't get any candy though. But whatever. They got ice cream at the end. Yeah. So Halloween ends with Tootie returning home injured and claiming that John Truett was the assailant. Upon hearing this, Esther goes next door and go- and gets all real housewives on him and, and ends up biting him. Um, and then after Agnes returns home, the story is straightened out and it is revealed that she was injured when John was trying to hide the two girls from the popo since they tried to derail the trolley with a dress stuffed with hay. It's so, <laughs> it's much so fun. fucked Oh my up. god, y'all. <laughs> They're like, jokes. it looked just like a body. We can put We're it joking. on the tracks. <laughs> like, you two are crazy. <laughs> um, so Esther, feeling terrible, goes back over to John's house and apologizes, all of Real Housewives reunion style. <laughs> they just didn't mean it, didn't mean it. Um, and then the scene ends with them straight up mugging down. So they got all kissy face at the end of this Hooray. scene, which is adorable. Um, is that just like Real Housewives, or is that not really what happens? No, no. Okay. But the apology was very. No, is that more like Watch What Happens Live? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. It's been a while since I've seen it. Um, so that evening, uh, F- uh, Papa Alonzo returns home to report that, which he thinks is great news, that the whole family is being relocated to New York for his with his, for his new position at the firm. Uh, they're going to be moving right after Christmas. Everyone is thrown into a tizzy and storms out of the room. Um, Mrs. Smith and Alonzo manage to see eye to eye and sing at the piano, which brings the whole family back together. So they end up getting on board with it sort of half-heartedly um, fast forward to winter and Esther and Rose are getting prepped for the Christmas Eve ball. Uh, Rose is bummed uh, since her, her boo-boo Warren is going to the ball with some other gal. He has had his eye on um, that. He had, so Warren is end up going to the ball with a guy that Lon has his eye on and Lon's home for Christmas. Um, so Lon agrees to take Anna instead. Um, the evening ends up getting spoiled 
for Esther because John comes over and says that his tuxedo is stuck at the tailors and won't be able to, and he won't be able to escort her to the party. So thinking that everything's all fucked up, her grandfather ends up saving the night by offering to take her to the dance. Um, and while at the ball, in order to get back at Warren's date, they fill um, they fill Warren's date's dance card with all the duds from the town. Um, but then their game gets foiled because when she arrives, she tells Anna that they should swap dates since that's who they would rather be with. Mm-hmm. Um, so Esther and takes one for the team and dances with all the duds, um, which is a pretty it's funny pretty funny. Scene. They're all dancing like they are animals. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, and then uh, Grandpa ends up rescuing her, who ends up taking her behind the Christmas tree, and she is reunited with John, who managed to get his tux, um, his his tux out of suit prison, which was such a beautiful scene really when he cool. takes her behind the Christmas tree, and then like without a beat, they like come out from the Christmas tree. It's her yeah. and John, and he's like, "Oh my God, Mr. Vanilla's a so fucking good. genius!" <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, no, that's fucking Christmas yeah, right like, there. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and she's all in red velvet. Oh looking, my oh gosh, man. that dress. Uh, and then, uh, so that evening he proposes to her and she's conflicted about whether or not she should stay behind with him or go to New York with her family. And then when she returns home, Tootie is awake and upset about moving to New York and whether Santa Claus will be able to find them there. So Esther sings, have yourself a merry little Christmas, which doesn't seem to help matters. Um, so Tootie goes ham and smashes all their snow people. And Alonzo, the father, sees this all go down and realize how much his decision is affecting his family and announces that they will not be going to New York after all. So everyone's happy. And then fast forward to spring and the whole family is going to the world's fair all together and happy. <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> and then credits roll. It's wonderful. Yep. Yeah. It is lovely. It is wonderful. Uh, this movie's got some wonderful musical numbers in it. Wonderful too. numbers. Um, yeah. It's got meet me in St. Louis, which was written in 1904, which celebrated the world's fair. Um, and then the next song is Judy sings the boy next door because she's just pining for John yep. Truitt. Yeah. You know, she's and just, he's, he's a cutie. He is a cutie. Um, and then, uh, skip to my Lou and there's the Yankee doodle song and all that, mm-hmm. that they play at the party. And then Tootie performs. I was drunk last night, which is sort of like a, a ditty or a basic, it's basically a limerick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then they and then Tootie and Esther perform under the bamboo tree with a song and dance for the party goers, which was dope. Um, and then after everyone leaves, Judy performs over the banister for John Truitt after he helps her turn off all the lights. Hey, oh, actually, they were really elaborate. I could see where she. I know <laughs> there was like sticks and you know. He's like, yeah, I'll help you turn off the lights. She's like, no, really. I mean, you need the stick over there. Yeah. There's like twelve of them. And, and every single light has different instructions. Yeah. This, like, is, this is laborious. <laughs> yes. It's like, why don't we streamline figure how we turn things off? Like, She's let's. Like, oh crap! You really wanted me to do things. <laughs> um. <laughs> And then, uh, then they do this trolley. Then after that's the trolley song, which is amazing. amazing. <laughs> oh my god! It's all shot on like a rocking like set piece, and then they have like the the projection going on behind it. It's like so true good. old Hollywood style. And everybody like, looks amazing. The costumes of that one Just was so good. There were so, so many good like extras that were so well costumed in that one. Yeah, in that and scene. each each and every person was like their own independent confection. So many ladies. <laughs> yeah. So many hats. <laughs> so many hats. And gloves. 
Um, and then after that is going to be you and I, which is when um, mm. the, fa- the father and mother sing at the piano, uh, which ends up bringing everyone together. And then the last um, new song is going to would be Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which mm-hmm. um, Esther sings to Tootie. Uh, and to help ma- to help her make her feel better, but it ends up backfiring. <laughs> which is she's like, well, I tried know, to she's help. Like, whoopsie doodles. <laughs> I didn't expect she was gonna go all nuts on me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this, I mean, good God, the costumes in this movie. We could be here all day, and let's do it. Why not? <laughs> yep. Oh Jesus, I'm missing a page. Anyway, you keep talking. <laughs> well, no, I, I think the looks are great, even from the very beginning. Um, first of all, I think Mary Astor is beautiful. The mom? The mom oh is Oh, my gosh, so she's beautiful. so beautiful. So is the sister Rose. Yes. I, oh, I mean, my that's God. the thing is, like, I mean, Judy is the star, and she is costumed and beautifully appro- appropriately beautiful, but mm-hmm. so are the other ladies in here, too. Like, uh, totally. Seriously, major shout-out to the mom. She's beautiful. She beautiful really face is. and Beautiful um, face. Just really lovely costuming and hair, and then Rose is really beautiful. Rose was amazing. And um, I was, the children look yeah. great. Like I mean, their hats and coats, and just I, there's some amazing outerwear in this in this yeah. uh, movie too. I was actually thinking like when I was rewatching it a little bit today, and um, Rose coming home, and she's just looking yes stunning in her like in her wonderful little blouse with the row of bows. Yes, and, and like, I love uh, that skirt because there's like the double yoke. There's like the totally. yoke in the front, and then like a split yoke in the back with, with the, the buttons. buttons. Oh. Oh, jeez. Oh it's like everything. And then this little like almost like blocky trim at the bottom. And um, everything is like a 360 confection. Like totally. every every um, costume in here. That's what I love is when they really go for it. When the costume designers do that, where they're just like, OK, what is she going to look like? We can't like you have to design it like front and back. Yeah. And you really have to think about what they're going to be wearing and how they're going to be moving in it and what shots they're going to be seeing. Because it's like you want to make sure that they don't look boring at any yeah. point. Whereas like a lot of times like contemporary clothing it's just like the front and then the back is just plain yeah you know? and so you're just like okay well. exactly and, and it's it, like you know yeah it's like what was it um okay bob mackie shout out um, hey, well it's gonna come full circle be, every time i know because <laughs> the one thing i remember um there were i remember back in the early 90s there were um there were infomercials for the uh, for the jewel collection Barbies. Yes. Do you remember those? Oh, and yeah. there was the Diamond Dazzle Barbie, oh, yeah. which was basically like a big a big dry queen Barbie. Yes. And um, he even mentioned that there's like details on the back of it, and he's like, because you know a girl's always got to make an entrance, but she also has to make an exit. And exactly. I was like, preach, hunty. I, I think that's like whenever I'm doing like, and costuming or making stuff for myself, I'm like the front and the back are equally important. Yeah. What and, is she gonna um, look like from behind? Yeah, is she gonna, exactly. You know. And I feel like those aughts fashions are so good at that because they've got back buttons. Mm-hmm. They've got back yokes. They've got yep. little trims around the hem or hem bindings. And they've just got these really wonderful things that are just a 360 experience. That's you right. Know? Give them something to talk so about good. when you walk into a room. you got a front yoke and a back yoke. That's and right. they both got pin tucks. And yeah, it's totally. just, yeah. And, and they really, really do that in this movie. And it's funny because... You know how we watch most of these on Amazon and like sometimes they'll have like the trivia on the side. Oh yeah. And one of the things that they put in there was like, oh, well, you know, despite the the costumes being really accurate, the hairstyles are actually very anachronistic in 1940s. And I would have to disagree. I think there's some 40s flair, Mm -hmm. particularly in Judy's. But the pompadours and stuff that they were doing, they were very, what was very popular in the aughts actually sort of made a resurgence during wartime those pompadour updos and hairs because it it was very practical yeah so like people were doing 
almost like Gibson-esque, you know, updos and rolls. Like the victory rolls could easily be twisted into almost like a Gibson look. And I felt like a lot of the hairstyles in general, like Judy's was very perfect example of like she's the lead. Right. So, so I think that as you see good. in many movies, you'll always see the lead sort of pulled out and more contemporary and like their make there'll be something, their makeup, their hair, something about them that'll pull them out. But the other characters, particularly Mary, you know, the mom, even Rose and like yeah. her friends, these and gorgeous so, pompadours yeah, and, and, and pompadours. And even like um So is well, a uh, Katie the, the Katie. Oh, the, oh Mary yeah. Jane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She I mean she they had look, full Chinon, yeah, like like real. that beginning scene where her and, and Mary Astor in the kitchen together. Yeah. I mean, they look like a woodcut of like Gibson women, like Gibson girls, just their silhouette in like their what they're wearing and their hair is exactly to like that Charles Gibson sketch. Yeah. And um, I also thought that um, the the hair that they give Judy at the end with the red dress is uh, very, I mean, she's got man. the whole pompadour and that beautiful little ringlet of flowers at the back. Oh Again, it's only like, that's why I, had, I was like, I need a back view and a front view because the, the sisters look amazing and I love how they're in red and green. Yeah, and, and she dual. has that wonderful, like, she has that wonderful, like, uh, headpiece too. It's like yes. a wonderful, like, hair wrap that goes over oh, it. Oh, gosh. And the it looks wrap. like it's yes. beaded and it looks like it's tied. It's just, it's just a little, yeah. And I was like, that's fucking oh, genius. Because thank no, you, HD. I, I mean, know. I was like, wait, but she's I got think, a little frog on the front. I think I noticed that too when I first watched it like a long, long time ago. And, um, you know, it was like she didn't untie it, which I thought was such an interesting thing. She just unsnapped it, and I was like, "That's brilliant!" Because yep. it's like you don't want to like. Well, she has a little. It's like a knot. And, it, yeah, it's, it's like a little perfect knot frog little. And, yeah, yeah. And then I noticed too because I've watched it like eighty million times. And I was like super close up. It looks like there's like layers of netting or of, of some sort of soft netting or tool on the inside of it because oh, when she goes to take it yeah. off like not a hair no, comes yeah. out of place you naturally. know and yeah. as a technical designer I'm like how do we do that rewind how do we do that <laughs> ah okay then <laughs> actually that's a good question I forgot to ask do you have a history with this movie I do I will I've watched it here and there growing up um it's um but not it, it's not like a I, I know it lightly and right. I only know it because of like I know it because more like the costuming and because of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Mm-hmm. But it's not like my go-to Christmas movie. I don't. Right. When I think of Judy movies, it's not like it's not to say that it isn't my favorite because actually, I get it. I get why people love it. Yeah. But I know this sounds weird, but. I, I think my favorite Judy movie is actually The Clock, which is this little black and white movie. Yeah, I have to watch did. this. Still on my to-do list, and I feel so bad that I haven't seen it all. I don't know. Friend. I just—it's so little. It's this little tiny movie, but it just makes me weep. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, and I think A Star Is Born. So uh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the ones Star where I just—I'm like born. the credits roll. I'm like, <laughs> can't, can't, can't even. It's ridiculous. I feel you. <laughs> My God, her singing "A Man That Got Away" oh, every yeah. time makes my eyes yeah. start welling up. Well and I, up. And I, I kind of am partial to Summerstock, even though I know, like, the more I read about it, I realize that you know it was, she was having some trouble. So I, I call that my right. problematic fave. Yeah. But but when she does get happy, it is just like mean. you're just you're like I I have a reason for living. You know, <laughs> <laughs> she just slays, kills it in that yeah. movie. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's my history. Do yeah. you have a history with this? Um, I think this would have been one of the movies that I watched as in during my uh, during my video store years mm-hmm. when I was going through the entire collection because I don't think I remember watching this as a kid or as a tween or as a teen. Yeah. Um, I do know that this and 
because my my Christmas movies have were always more more contemporary from the eighties stuff. Me so too. like the the Christmas Story or the Scrooge, the Scrooge or yeah. National Lampoon's Vacation, yeah. Christmas Vacation, Same here. and all of those. Like that was sort of my thing. I, if I had like an old gay uncle, this would have been in heavy rotation during yeah. the holidays. Yeah. And um, you know, I also I also wonder. I and I this again. I I probably we could find this out through research. But I wonder if if this movie was even in like you know when we were growing up, some of these movies were on the Disney Channel or. Right. Right. This one so they wasn't. were easy this and I don't one. remember like I feel like when I watched this yeah. it was like a rare like someone had a tape of it somewhere maybe my dad had it but like I don't remember this being like an easy rotation like singing in the rain where yeah. I'm like oh pff, well, but it's here. great now this is kind of on the holiday rotation for yes. TZM which yes. is great cuz they've wonderful. been they've been talking about that so on there so much has changed in the last yes. 30 years as far as this these one's movies. in heavy rotation Christmas in Connecticut's heavy rotation yes. on their holiday list so it's it's good to see that this one's getting some airplay yeah. and I think T- the well advent of TCM is going to help people find these well, movies. Well, TCM is doing God's work. They truly let's, let's are. Let's face it. <laughs> they truly are. Mad ups to TCM. Yes. Pour one out for them. Um, <laughs> gosh, there's so many good, like, I love also, too, I love the, there's so many good, like, kind of underwear, like, yes. chemise and yeah. bloomer shots. Even the little, like, when like her sister, when she first comes in, yeah. she's had to swim, and they have her in this, like, she's wet, and she comes in in, like, her little head-to-toe, like, her... I think they're called combinations where it's like an all-in-one. So it's oh, like a, nice. but it looked like hers was, and I've seen these before where it's, it's two pieces that button together at the waistband. Oh, nice. And that's what hers was. It was like the camisole and the bloomers. And then they had something underneath it for modesty because Cute. it's like, so it wasn't like wet t-shirt contest on, on the 10 year old. <laughs> Cause she is coming in from having a swim. And yeah. I was just thinking again, as a technical person, like, Kind of la- they got a they got her layered up. They practically have like a bustier on or like underneath her. That's like pink flesh tone. But Regardless of that, like they also have these beautiful like combination underwear on her of like the yeah. bloomers with the camisole, yeah, and then back buttons, buttons on the waistband. Nice. Like it's just really cute. But also the sisters, Agnes, so Rose and uh, Esther, end up washing yes. their hair that night. That's and right. They're like dancing around and singing, and they're in their um, chemise and bloomers. I love their dressing gowns. So, oh they're very God. like Art Nouveau kind so of. So cute. Yeah. And then even when the when they're getting ready for the ball too, they're both mm-hmm. in like they're under they're under things and they look when amazing. she when Esther was a corset for the first time. Yeah. Yes. And her her mugs are, again Judy Garland on fire, oh, God. just on fire with her whole like sitting on the couch, trying to be a lady, and her just like just pain and pain in her eyes. Oh my God. You know? I love that there's so many scenes too where the the sisters are like talking about they're just being sisters, which I yes. love. The, I love the relationship between Rose and Esther because I love it. there's so much where like Rose was like I think there was a scene where Rose was like I wish I was a brunette, and she was and <laughs> Esther was like Yes, if you had brunette and I had um, my hair we'd be unstoppable <laughs> what? i know they're really cute they're and so I love like that they're really not in competition with each no, other they're not. like um i love i love their their dresses when they go to the ball and they they're like they're red oh and green God. and they complement each other so yeah. beautifully that and her, as much as judy looks good in red her sister in that green amazing dress amazing oh my green. i don't know which one i like more because I love, like she's beautifully vibrant i love the and that applique work on, on that the, neck on roses <laughs> yes. on the sister's dress with the yes. applique work and those little tiny puff sleeves that are like yeah. kind of downward puffs Ugh. but they both have like the matching puff sleeve like there's little nuances in what they're wearing it's like they're contrasting yeah. but they're marrying back to each other in like a sisterly way they're like they're distinctly two different people with two different personalities 
but they're sisters. Yeah, you and know? I love Rose's hair during that too because it's oh, like all piled up high and super in front. pomp with it's the there, side off oh. side ringlets. Oh. Yeah, and then she's got these little gold like bows like holding it up on the side behind her ear. I know Glamour. her both her her and Judy's she hair glamour. in that scene because Judy's got the whole pompadour mm-hmm. with like the little ringlet of flowers in the back. Totally. Oh my so god. So beautiful. So beautiful. I feel like this movie. I, I definitely will be watching this again because I watched it a few times even watching for this. There's so many details in this movie. Just the the how if you're a house nerd like I am, oh my God. the house is amazing. Every room like it's beautifully decorated and every what everybody's wearing is beautiful. These layers of underwear and mm-hmm. the hair and just and there's just and everything's going so fast, so you you catch something every time you watch it again. You'll so catch more Irene Sharaf really did an amazing job on the amazing. costumes and just like paying attention to like accessories and like making sh- sure that each like each mm-hmm. piece was very like would have been very with the each piece would have been especially made for them because mm-hmm. in the aughts they didn't have mass production. No, so. and each piece is a confection. Yes. Even the sh- even like the little chemise that they wear under their corsets is filmy and gorgeous. Totally. And I love that part right before. They're going to go to the dance and they're getting ready. And you see like Rose has got put her in the corset and then um, uh, Esther's about to, you know, run downstairs and she's got her corset and then her like formal petticoat on. And she throws on that beautiful smock dressing gown, which I love that blue dressing gown, which actually is one of my favorite pieces in the film because it's kind of it's kind of subtle, but it's really beautiful. But the whole yoke top of the The yoke is all smocked and beautiful. And and the color, that color on her is amazing. But. But yeah, there's that she, when she runs out of the ro- room, you see Rose and she goes to put on a little butt pad. Oh yeah, and then the butt pad is even like beaded and appliqued so and every, I mean, just little everything. rows of ruffles on it. It's I so just pretty. yeah, and I think that's such a rare thing too is just to even show people getting dressed in a movie. Mm-hmm. I love that you can see like you're seeing these multiple layers of all the things they need to make the silhouette and they're putting it on themselves. Yeah, it just so makes cool. it more natural. I love that. And then yeah. also the mom comes in after that when oh, when, when John gown. oh my god that dressing gown is all like Christmas <sighs> Art confection Nouveau Christmas magic oh. and I love how it's like it's red and green the same colors but, that her daughters are wearing and then the so. sleeves are like kind of like open and it has like a different stripe oh, in it it's, amazing oh, I love a good actually I really love a good like I love dressing satin, gowns. satin stripe yeah. like that oh yeah. I want everything to be satin stripe there, I would there's love some really to great do, like, like robes in this yeah. movie like robes and dressing gowns and things that all the, even the kids like the little I love like at the end the little kids and their little robes that they wear the the sisters they have these beautiful little quilted robes like oh, bed during jackets. the Halloween scene when they're when they the little um they come yes. back from the Halloween yeah scene, they come back and then she's robes. like I want to wear Esther's nightgown you're like yeah. pink nightgown you know boy that girl loves being the victim doesn't she, she does. <laughs> it's a little problematic for me she's I was like hilarious. this doesn't look like a good sign for the future. <laughs> So good though. Uh, Tootie is Tootie's too much. I can't deal with her. She's just I love her so much. She's yeah. so funny. She's, she's when a, she does that um, the opening the opening when she's like with Mister with Mister Neely. Mister Neely. So good. <laughs> she's talking about her doll is about is like has four fatal diseases. The way she talks is so, so funny. funny. That whole back and forth between her and Mister Neely was the one of the, the funniest. Great. That, that's funniest one of the greatest scenes. scenes oh yeah. And her little dress that she's wearing like there's even like you see her crawling in the truck and you could even see she. She's yeah. wearing like old school bloomers and yeah. like everything from the skin out. She's wearing like all the old fashioned stuff so and cute, little though. socks and <laughs> it is really cute. Even if you're not into kids, this is some cute looks. There yeah. are some cute kid looks in here. I mean, this is clearly not gonna not gonna make you want kids, but you know, it's gonna make you want that kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, but Jesus. Th- Judy's okay, Judy's fucking like trolley look. 
get out of here I with know, that. The, the trolley look is the, pretty like, amazing. Black velvet jacket with the plaid skirt. Like yeah, uh, and I even love her. I love her like when you first see her, she comes out of that little uh, buggy and she's wearing the tennis dress. Oh, the tennis. Which tennis. I couldn't. I was trying to get some better screenshots of it so you can really see the full length of it. It was so cute, and she has a little stocking cap, little striped socks that go the, the opposite striped direction. Socks. Like, I know. Yeah. Like if you're if you're someone who loves stripes, I do. This but I love that the look. I love that the top is a narrower stripe than the peplum yep. skirt thing. It's the, like and then a there's like a wider stripe. stripe on the hat, Ugh. and it's, it's it's stripe play. It's really like A plus it. for stripe yeah, play. Yeah, it's so good. And then she did the whole the blouse all on the vertical, but then pleated in like the darts. She just pleated pulled yeah. it in, so it literally like pulled her waist even smaller. Yeah, and like, it added to smart. that. That's such an accurate way they did dressmaking back then too. Like all all those things just contribute to a silhouette that really looks like it's from that period. Wow, you know and. Let's face it, Judy Garland's so wee and petite. She's and only four eleven. She is the picture of a of of ideal beauty from nineteen oh three. That teeny tiny but curvy and mm-hmm. you know tiny hands and feet. So wee, so wee, <laughs> so wee. <laughs> My God, Grandpa! I love Grandpa. I love him, and I loved his weird little spiral cap he had on. Uh-huh. I love he he's a hat man. He has a proliferation of hats that he likes to try on and I wear. I love that when he goes into his room and he has that whole like mirror with all the hats. So great. And he tra- puts one hat on and he does the thing where he looks into the mirror. With, yeah. Like he poses in the mirror and he's like, maybe not that. Hat. <laughs> See, and that was and the one I read. Like, Minnelli put that together. Yeah. He put that set together. I'm sure he did. Like... <laughs> but I love that he ends up in a fez. <laughs> Calm down, Queen. We know he likes hats. <laughs> <laughs> but gotta gotta respect a man who will wear a fez around the house. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the sensible fez yeah. while I'm singing. I'm feeling exotic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, he was so good. And Marjorie Maine steals every scene she was in. Oh goodness. Yeah, and I even love like um, the party that they had where you know with all the teenagers. Oh you know, yeah, hanging the out going away which, party. Uh, yeah, the going away party. I mean. Um, Judy's outfit was really cute. It was again very like this was when she's sort of being portrayed as younger. Mm-hmm. It's got that per- it's perfectly cut to a teenager. Like at that time, like it says seventeen year old from nineteen oh three all over. It's yeah. like the ankle length, and it's it still looks, but it's still very heavy. It's draped. It's got all these little baubles and and uh, fringy things all over it. Um, lots of ball fringe. <laughs> lots of ball fringe. They loved a ball fringe on her on her character, but yeah. they were they were pretty into. Th- I mean like. I think they even I I've heard the term gingerbready thrown around for this era of time, but oh, things really? were very like more is more, you know. And there's there's like a lot of that, and um, man after my own heart, <laughs> right? Exactly. But it looks and some of the they just look so amazing on film with the 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 numbers, the dance numbers she was doing. Yeah, it was so perfect. Moving yeah, like, everything's moving around and very happy. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh God, Jesus. This, yeah. This one is one of the and she's just looks beautiful the hair like whoever decided on the hair for her because i know like it i think in the original story the two sisters were like blonde and brunette and they decided to make them auburn for the movie there were a lot of things they changed i think it works yeah i think it looks great judy looks beautiful phenomenal i I really think of when i think of like um sort of iconic hair on her i think of this movie i do like there's something about this hair and look on her it doesn't look like I don't know. It's just, it's so distinctive yeah. because I think, you know, usually she always has dark hair, right? but yeah. she's, she's a gorgeous, you know, gorgeous as the, uh, like with the natural Auburn hair. Totally. So funny. I was thinking that the sister, um, Rose kind of looked like, kind of looks like Tansy. 
She does. She a little bit, yeah. She looks like the, my burlesque muse. Shout out yeah. to my boo, Tansy. Yeah, she's a, yeah. That, that girl was very lovely. And she did resemble, like her and Judy resemble each other. They were really good at sort of yeah. having little physical nuances about how they behaved with each other and then with Tootie. And so, yeah, they all felt, it's, it felt like a family. It did. And it, yeah. was, it was really great. I can definitely see where this must have just really hit the mark. I mean, coming out in 1944, mm-hmm. it's wartime. I mean, we're People we're talking like war rationing family. wartime, yeah. yeah, and just this. I and there probably were so many people who were probably alive at that time and remember a different time, like remember what it was before World War One. Yeah, and so I think um, this this probably just hit all the heartstrings at the right time at the right place, and yeah. you know the emphasis on family and it's like a love letter to America, like early America. Yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a really sweet movie. It really is. And and yeah, it's I'm I'll definitely watch again. I'm I'm fascinated with the shots, the way they would do these beautiful moving shots where they'd sweep through the whole street oh, yeah. and sweep through the whole neighborhood and then just finally like end up on the house or end up on one person or the kids playing and it was just it really it makes you feel like you're there and you're just like walking through it like through the looking glass and um Manelli Manelli Manelli, that's all oh, him. Oh my you god. Know? He, him. <laughs> I mean the last the last thing that I really want to talk about is definitely the ending. The yes. ending number the ending looks where they're all oh, in all in white. Just which is like Easter like, confection. So good. Gorgeous. They're all going to the fair and they look amazing. Yes. Like the mother's in full head to toe lace. I, I'm sorry, like, the mom. That that, that like, is my favorite outfit. That of, of all the people well what no amazing shit. It's not Judy. Lace, it's yeah. that that lace, it's like it looks like grapes on the vine. Totally. And, it's, yeah. and then she's got the matching parasol and the matching hat. It's full long sleeve. It's all rough. It's completely like sculpted. Ruffles. I almost have no words. It's <sighs> just, it's breathtaking. So beautiful. Breathtaking. Oh my goodness. And that, I mean, and that's Judy's wearing her tears and tears of ruffles, white yes. ruffles, and she looks like a confection. And yeah. of course, it's like kind of a de facto wedding gown because she is going to be getting married to, yeah. um, getting married to John. And, and of course, Rose is getting married to her boo too. I forgot to mention that he storms in yes. and proposes in the most romantic way which is to yell at your prospective fiance he's like i love you we're getting married you know what i'm so glad it ended this way because if it had been a double wedding i might have flipped the table yeah like you know this did not need a double wedding but i'm glad they hinted at it might happening but and i'm okay with that yeah i like this this one was nice with the way that they they handled everything i think the only time i've been totally okay with double wedding is in thoroughly modern millie and that is a totally okay double wedding there was a triple wedding in that well, that's because it's a triple wedding. And the, the, there's a double <laughs> wedding in uh, Gentlemen for Blondes, which is... All right, fine. That's okay. okay. That's okay, too. That's, that's, then that's my favorite double wedding. <laughs> my triple wedding, though. Triple wedding's pretty good. <laughs> what is wrong, Hollywood? Why, why do you do this all People the time? People love weddings. <laughs> right? In mass. In all mass, yes. I just feel it's like, when in doubt, wedding! Yeah. Like, Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, you know, it's yeah. fine. So sometimes they work, make it work. Yeah, this one's adorable. So mm-hmm. go watch it immediately. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Yes. Cry, ball your eyes out like we do every we, single time. We dare you to get through that scene without maybe feeling like onions were being cut next yes, to you. Yes, very misty okay. moment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this one's definitely put it on the queue for holiday. So enjoy it. Have a happy holidays. Yes. Merry Christmas. I'm so glad we got to review this. I think this yeah. is the perfect way to end the year and do our Christmas special. It's wonderful to do it in person, too. Yeah, 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 in person. And I feel like even though we did The Pirate, which is technically our first Judy film, I feel like this is such a, like, 
this this is such a heavy hitter. Well, you can never have too so much, much Judy. to research and talk about. No. Yeah, well, that is true. You never can, enough, Judy. Never enough. <laughs> never know. Well, please, she left us too soon. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this one's a good one. Um, I can yep. slip slide right into the old shameless plugs. <sighs> that would be great. That would be great. So you guys can catch us over on the social media over at Old Hollywood Realness on Facebook at OHR Podcast on Twitter, at Old Hollywood Realness on Instagram. You can email us at OHR, or sorry, at Old Hollywood Realness at gmail.com. Check out the website. We'll be posting all the photo montages of the movie to check for you to check out and follow along. Uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe over on iTunes. Give us Please the old do. review. Five stars, baby. Because mm-hmm. um, we need more reviews to read on, read on air. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We wrote a check or ask at cash. Yes. Yes. Next <laughs> yeah, week. Big well, dreams, y'all. Big dreams. Um, anyhow. So, uh, yep. You can go to the website. Use our Amazon banner to shop when you uh, to support the show. Easy, easy peasy way. Yes. Um, buy your Christmas presents and click that link. Uh, other than that, thanks for how to Hal Lublin for giving us his vocal talents at the top of the PCAST. And um, and as always, thanks for listening to OHR Podcast Podcast. OHR Podcast Podcast. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. Bye. Bye.